and welcome to the R2P Podcast. I'm Running to Places founder and artistic director, Joey Steenhagen. Take a moment to locate your nearest emergency exit, and please remember no flash photography during the podcast. And now, without any further ado, on with the show. First order of business is to introduce my lovely and talented co-host, dear friends, he's R2P's associate managing director and resident choreographer, it's the one and only Tucker Davis. Hey, what's going on, Joey? What's up, Tucker? Not much, just another podcast. Magical day of podcasting. Another day, another podcasting dollar. Yes. If only it translated to that. Yes. Well, as always, up first is news and updates, all the latest and greatest of what's going on in the world of R2P. Not too much going on, I think, right now. It's pretty chill this time of year. It's a little chill. It's a little chill outside. It's chilly. Yep. Um, Don't have too much coming up, but we're getting ready and starting to make plans for the spring and the summer. So yes. that's exciting. Yes. We're going to be having auditions for uh, the season that we are planning for the rest of 2022. Those will be coming up soon enough. What shows? Don't ask me. I can't tell you right now. I and, wouldn't. Yeah. And if you are looking for another opportunity, um, you can circle back around to the R2P2 Go. R2P2 Go. Right. That window officially has already closed for the initial audition of that. But. If you're, um, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, wait, I wanted to do it. I missed the thing. Just just go on the website and fill out the thing and let us know. And we want to work with that you. That is www.runningtoplaces.org. That's the one. Uh, additionally, we are going to be doing our R2P Unplugged, where we do a read-through, sing-through, sing-along, discussion of a play. Our next one is coming up February 28th and March 2nd. Go to our website for more information and to sign up if you are in grade 6 through 12. We'd love to have you along to talk about a play that we might not be doing anytime soon. It doesn't mean we don't want to dive into and get to know. So check that out. Uh, You know what I want to do? I want to give a shout out to a couple of our newest R2 patrons. Folks who kick in a couple bucks a month to make this and everything else that we do possible to keep it free for participation for the kids and for our audiences. Uh, a couple of our newest R2 patrons. I see Jerry. Welcome, Jerry. Is Thanks, Jerry, Jerry Dietz. Well, I wasn't going to single him out, but of yeah. CSP Management? Jerry Dietz of CSP Management. He's like theaters, Ithaca Theater's greatest angel ever. He really is. Yep. He walks the walk. Uh, and so in addition to you know his, his business... CSP management having supported running to places since literally the very beginning. Uh, Jerry, thank you personally for also supporting us as an R2 patron. I also want to give a shout out to my friend, Toby. Oh, Toby. Anyone who is in theater knows exactly who we're talking about. Toby is the single greatest theater patron I've ever known. Absolutely. Just a dear, dear human being who I love to see every time we do a show. So Toby, thank you for supporting us as an R2 patron. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to Emily who joined after listening to the podcast. It's true. Emily was like, oh. People listen to this? Well, at least one person not only listened, but then became an R2 patron. Yeah. Hey, hey, Emily. Hey, Emily. You're the only one. If there's anybody else out there, send us a line. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in all seriousness, thank you so much to everyone who has become an R2 patron to help support the podcast and everything else that we do. We literally cannot do it without you. So thanks so much. Emily, Toby, and Jerry, thank you guys. Yay. Anyway, stick around after intermission. We'll be chatting with the bringer of all things circus to our community, the founder of Circus Culture. The lovely and talented Amy Cohen. That's very exciting. We love circus culture so much. So much. Yeah, what a gift it's been to this community. I couldn't agree more. 
Well, before we get to that, uh, we've got listener questions. We got a couple Ooh. of listener questions this week. Uh, every episode, we answer questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question you want answered on the podcast, you can email it to podcast at runningtoplaces.org or record a voice memo on your phone and email it to podcast at runningtoplaces.org. And maybe we'll hear you on a future episode. So we've got two questions. Ooh, exciting. Tucker, I'm going to throw this one to you because I think this is, oh. a, this is a you question. You're going to ask me a question? I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Well, it's not actually me. It's Emma E. asking, what was your favorite number to choreograph with R2P? Oh. Tucker, you've done so much choreography with us and certainly in your whole career. It's got to be hard to narrow down, but I wonder if there are numbers that spring it, to mind. It, it, I mean... It is. It's hard. I mean, I always have a favorite number of every show. Um, like Mamma Mia, I think my favorite number was like um, that. Uh, the gimme, gimme, gimme a man at the midnight. You know, yeah. because you're also trying to like justify this uh, material that's written for like adult women, but you have these teenagers. Sure. And so, you know, and so I think that one was so fun because we got to just really to, in, to sort of like embrace the. Uh, like the animal in that number. Um, but all time, all time favorite, I think probably has to be from Newsies. And oh. I think it's definitely Seize the Day. Come on. How yeah. could it not be? And I think for me, and I think why I love that one so much, because I mean, if you saw Newsies or if you've seen Newsies other places, you know that it's like there is, it is a nonstop movement show. From yes. Like the second the overture starts till, till it ends, there is choreographed movement. Well, that's, Almost the entire time. That's the main reason that for for all the shows with running to places that I direct, that one I was like, "Oh, Tucker, will you please direct this show? This is a show that has to be helmed by a single vision, someone who understands movement in the scenes as much as the dance in the in the musical numbers." And I foolishly said, "Sure." <laughs> it was such a big job, but but seize the day. I mean, everybody loves that number. The the actors who were in our production of it grew up listening to that musical and seeing the movie and seeing the musical TV version of it. Um, and so I think the energy was so high. It was so much fun for everybody to create that, that number. And when we did that show, we had some like dancer, dancer, dancers, yeah. but not a ton. Sure. Right. It's always a mix. We, um, what we really had was a bunch of fearless teenagers that that weren't afraid to just take a risk and go out there and be crazy. It was, it was an incredible experience. And that number from top to bottom is probably my most favorite. <sighs> I, and I hesitate, but yeah, it was probably the most fun I've ever had choreographing a number. Um, and now, yeah, that's it. That's my answer. Yeah. I'm sticking with it. Yeah. That's Newsies, a good one. Seize the day. And, and I loved how in that show, I mean, we always have kids from all over the place. It's not just kids from one town. It's kids from uh, every town in Tompkins County and increasingly beyond. And a really fun aspect of that show is that we had kids coming in from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. <laughs> to participate. That's, uh, yeah. And, and yeah, Elmira. Yep. Horseheads. Seneca Cortland. Falls. We had somebody coming in from Seneca Falls, Cortland. Mm -hmm. And so having all of those kids who never would have had a chance to meet before getting together to work together on this common project, on this common goal and, and put all of their talents together and learn from each other while they're getting to know each other and become friends. That was that's some of the magic that I loved watching the most in that one. Yeah, that, that was, was a fun show. Yeah. 
Well, let's move on to our next question, shall we? Ooh, what's the next question, Jerry? This question comes to us from Marin F. Hey, Marin. What's up? Marin asks, would you ever consider telling people who audition how you think their audition went, if they asked? Like explaining the process that you guys went through when you were thinking about should you call someone back, if their song monologue suited them, how their audition affected what roles you would envision them in. Marin, what a comprehensive question. Uh, and I, I love how you're thinking about this. I love that you're um, what I appreciate so much about this question and what you're asking is that it acknowledges that auditions are not a question of is someone good or bad? Are they talented or not? It addresses the fact that there is material that can showcase what someone does better than others. Um, and the fact that at the end of the day, what auditions are about is not evaluating is someone good or bad, but where do they fit so they're going to have the most success? That's mm -hmm. what we're looking for. Um, when we're making decisions about calling people back, one of the main things that we think about is um, we, we try to call back everyone that we possibly can who will have a good experience getting called back. Um, and what I mean by that is that sometimes it feels like a callback is a reward. For, and, and a callback is like the second audition. You come in, we have people sing, you know, 16, 32 bars of a song or do a 30 to 60 second for monologue. For a specific role, for a specific show. Yeah, right. you're getting material to work on. And so when we do callbacks, it's to have people sort of try out for a, a specific character uh, in the show that we're casting for. And so um, we try to have as many people get called back as possible because it's really good experience. Well, the only way to get the experience during it is to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. And at the same time, there are some students who, for example, if, if this is your first audition, and it's very scary because I don't care how many times you've been doing it. Auditioning is nerve wracking. Oh my gosh. Butterflies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so the last thing we want to do is put someone in a position where they get to the callback room. And the way we do callbacks is everyone is in the room at the same time. They all see and hear each other singing and doing their monologues. And if you were new to this and it was scary enough just to walk in the door, suddenly being in a room with a dozen seniors who are on their way to college to pursue musical theater who've been taking voice lessons longer than you and whatever, it can be intimidating and it can end up not being a positive experience. What we want to do is put kids in the room who are going to have a good experience, who are going to learn something. Um, very often we'll... Or who get to see their peers work too. Exactly. This yeah. is just what I was thinking, that we want them to... That's partly how you learn. Oh, this is how you prepare an audition. This is what it looks like to have a good callback. Now I know more for next time. We understand those stakes can be high too, right? Yep. But we try to minimize that and have fun. Callbacks are always fun. They should be. When we do that. I think so. And I think, you know, listening to you talk, Joey, I think one of the greatest things that we are able to do in running into places um, is that we, do, we service the kid who is interested in theater and we service the kids who are like, I want to make theater my life. Yeah. And, and a lot that don't. Totally. And I think they all are able to leave with a, with a greater stack of goods than they came in. Yes. And, and just the number of times where I see people come in to the callback feeling intimidated because they don't know anybody because maybe they're new. And by the end, they've had a bonding experience. They have inside jokes. Yes. By the end of like one day. And that is the foundation of a friendship, perhaps. 
uh, to answer Marin, uh, yeah. what was other, the question? <laughs> other aspects of your question. Um, so in a word, yes, we, we'd be happy to give feedback to folks. A lot of times in the audition room, you know, so you finally muster the nerve to get in there and sing your song and do your monologue and you made it through without forgetting too many of the words. It's not always the moment that someone is ready to hear someone give a critique of what they just did. It's it can be I'm, sincerely it can be a very tender, vulnerable moment. To sure, audition. yeah. But that being said, uh, we are here to provide learning opportunities. So we absolutely would love anyone who asked to provide feedback on on their choices uh, of material and their choices in their performance. Yeah, it makes me think of like, maybe we need to talk about how to do that. Because when we run those callbacks, they are within an inch of a minute of their lives. Very right? tightly like, scheduled. Like, yeah, very, very, very tight. Um, so maybe in the moment, not only might be a little bit too ouchy, but it sure. might also just not have the time. So we should maybe think about a way to do that. Yes, Marin, this is a good question. You've got us, you started a ball rolling here. And also like every student, just like, you know, uh, is needs something different. Yes. Right. Like, like, um, knowing the person who asked this question, am I allowed to say I know them? We do know this person. We do know this person. And this person I think is asking from a genuine spot. Like I would love as much feedback if I, can imagine correctly, Marin yes. probably wants as much feedback as possible. This is a very hardworking person who takes takes her craft very seriously. Yeah, and so right, and like the person who came in and sang "Happy Birthday" might just need a encouragement. Yes, so you did that great. Now let's find maybe I have a list of songs I can suggest for your next audition. Yes, there's always going to be something. Anyone who walks in uh, is a success story. That we take everybody. So there's never been a failed audition at running to places. There's never been anyone who came in, auditioned, and then didn't ask, wasn't asked to be part of the company. We take everyone. So that means that everyone walked in and did something successfully, even if the thing that they did was walk in. That might be all the success for that round. Showing up is like sometimes the hardest and the most important step of everything, of anything. Because we can learn the rest. We can teach the rest. It strikes me that there was a student in the history of R2P who shall go unnamed who took quite a long time to get through any audition process without having a complete. And I'm not trying to, I'm, this is not the normal. Most people come, have fun, have a blast, leave, come back again and do it. Right. We don't, we never, we rarely see people one time. Um, But this student, took them a long time to be able to just get through an audition without having a meltdown. I know exactly what you're talking about. And that student went on to play one of their dream roles in their final, in their senior season. Yes. With R2P. And it was such a success story. Right. Because that person didn't give up and and just kept. Yeah. And those success stories, right. One of the, like a real success story, one that takes actual time to develop. It was like over how many years? Seven. Right. That's, that's a that's a long process. It was but, a journey. So yeah. But yeah, yeah. Let's give you feedback. I'm a, would you give us feedback, Marin, on this podcast, please? Oh that's my yeah. question for Marin. Right in it. Actually, I don't I don't know if I want feedback. <laughs> podcast at runningtoplaces.org if you want to share your thoughts. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> Ask and you shall receive. Uh. Well, Tucker, now it's time to take a peek behind the curtain. Woo! 
listener friends. You've got a backstage pass to find out what the rest of the audience never knew. And this time, let's talk about the time that R2P made it rain. Ooh. I, I don't mean financially. Oh, okay. That's never happened to us. No. <laughs> but they like had a show so successful. What are we going to do with all this all money? All this money. No, but in Especially 20... now that all of our tickets are free. That is true. But I'm talking about the time in 2020. But no. I'm talking about the time in 2010. <laughs> just a few years. You know, it just a like, full decade before. But doesn't 2010 seem like when you say that, I'm like, man, it's not that long ago. That's a little while. It was 12 years ago. We literally, Tucker, you're not ready for this, but we have R2P participants who were not born in 2010. I'm no longer here. I'm dead now. Just take a I'm moment. Just from hearing that. Just take a moment for the math. Uh, no, but in 2010, we did a musical you might have heard of called Singing in the Rain. Do, 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 do. That's the one. Yeah. And so when we choose a season, we always like to pick at least one show that is going to be just for the younger half of our company so that we don't have eighth graders only always competing against college bound 12th graders, things like that. And so when we did singing in the rain, it was for our middle schoolers. It was the younger half, which is amazing because singing in the rain is not a simple show. I was going to say, did you do the whole show? Oh, we sure did. This is before junior shows were big, right? We, we were not doing a junior version. It was the full two and a half hour Broadway version. And there's, you have to make it rain. It's right there in the title. If you don't, you immediately fail the show, I think. Completely. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. But so we had to figure out how to do that. And so we. Where where were you? We performed it at Newfield High School, which. Which is the old auditorium because they've had a beautiful, beautiful renovation since then. Folks, if you have not had a chance and, and chances are just because of. The way the world's been working the past couple of years, you probably haven't had a chance to check out the Newfield High School Auditorium. It is arguably the most beautiful school theater space I've ever seen. It is outfitted like you just would not believe. Oh, I want to do a show there. And before the renovation, they already had a pretty nice facility. And goodness knows the folks at Newfield School District were incredibly welcoming to us. And, and we've gotten to do they shows have, there for years. They have always been so helpful. So kind. To us, yeah. Uh, shout out to our friend Steve Yapel, who runs the oh, yeah. theater program out there and has just been such a support and help in so many different ways. Thanks, Steve. Yay. So when we did Singing in the Rain, we had to solve that problem. And so we had a uh, technical director who, What's the problem? Make it rain on stage. Yep. That's a big problem. So we had these two giant, you know, uh, containers of water that were hung in the fly system above the stage. And the full one was on one batten. Those are the pipes that go across the stage to hang the curtains and stuff. Uh, and then there was uh, another set of empty ones on the adjacent batten. And those empty ones had holes in it. And so all you have to do is just um, raise the one side up and the water pours down into the lower one and then out the holes. And we tested it and it all worked. So this is not rain. This is not a story. It's not like heated water. No. It's cold water. Sure. And also it's got to go somewhere. So it goes. Like once it hits the ground. Well, it's on the stage. And so the next, I mean, the show, this is, I'm sure, not a coincidence or an accident that that number is how act one ends. And so then you've right. got intermission to clean it up. Right. And so we basically built kind of sort of think of it like a false sidewalk on the stage. Was it raked? Uh, it was not. 
but the but the sidewalk had little had like think think the bumpers at a bowling alley when you're just learning so it had the bumpers. gutters yeah 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 and, and so the rain was contained okay theoretically and it worked well it contained the water that hit there but if the water bounced off or elsewhere bye it, just then it was somewhere else okay it was a little much did everyone stay safe though yes no okay. one ever slipped no one ever got hurt um i was getting nervous with electrics right yes that's something you have to think about that was definitely something that we and had people have out. mics on that are expensive so the microphone issue we were very concerned about because we have our actors wearing body mics which are these you know little tiny things that are usually taped onto their cheek or you know bobby pinned in their by their forehead by their hairline or whatever and the and notoriously fairly sensitive Equipment. Equipment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is it is the marvelous combination of a piece of equipment being incredibly expensive and fragile. And then you put it on Beer Kid. Yeah, right. Go stand in the rain. And now dance. And dance. Right. It's a tap show too. It's tap dancing in the rain. Yep. And so we tested it during Tech Week, where we took a Q tip and a watercolor marker and colored the end of the Q-tip and pretended that was the mic and taped that onto the actor's face where the microphone would be uh-huh. so that we could find out, hey, is this going to get wet? Will it be getting wet? Because if there's suddenly green ink <laughs> running down the kid's face, then we would know, ooh, had that been a microphone, we would have just blown 700 bucks. Nice. And it never got wet. We Smart. never ruined a microphone. We, we didn't stain anyone's face with ink. Uh, and and for the most part, it worked. So last time we took a peek behind the curtain, we were talking about how it was raining in the theater, and we didn't want it to be. And now we're talking about how we made it rain Indeed. in the theater. And and the follow up to it was that uh, a couple of years later, I went to see a performance uh, of Galumpha at the State Theater, and the big finale of it was the the dancers were on stage and they hold up this giant twelve foot umbrella, and it starts to rain on top of them and it was beautiful it looked so gorgeous and i was sitting in the front row and i looked because that was the last number for their show also because then you've got a mess to clean up and it was dry white rice that in the light looked just like rain and it sounded like rain and it was much easier to clean up and dry white rice doesn't ruin microphones and i wish i had thought of it sooner (laughs) wow so next time (laughs) next time if we ever do sing it in the rain again dry white rice yep bring your bowls wow that's good that's a that's a good behind the curtain to look at (laughs) all right folks it's time for intermission so grab a rice crispy treat out in the lobby and if you're an r2 patron we'll see you after the break for act two it is time for intermission everybody take five thank you five thank you five Remember that this show, like participation for the kids and tickets to our shows for everyone, is totally free. And that is only possible with the support of our R2 patrons, who for as little as five bucks a month get access to a whole host of thank yous and goodies, including the extended two-act version of this podcast. Although we're still making it available for everyone for now. For a limited time, right, Jerry? Just a limited time. All right. Meanwhile, you'll also receive the full heart that comes from making theater accessible to everyone in our community. You can become an R2 patron today by visiting runningtoplaces.org slash join. That's runningtoplaces.org slash join. We're sponsored this week and every week of 2022 by our friends at Tompkins Trust Company. Uh, 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 Joey, I believe their name now is Tompkins Community Bank. 
Do you mean because of their focus on the community? Yes, I do, including Ranked Places Podcast. Yay. Tompkins Trust Company, as it's been known for so many years, and Tompkins Community Bank going forward, they have been friends of Running to Places and so many other fabulous community events and organizations across our community. There's that word again. They have been supporters of our shows and they have employees who just come to see our shows because it's the people who make up Tompkins Community Bank that really make it special and, and they, they show up for us. Yep, and they support us and in, return, and in turn we support them. We could not be happier and prouder and more grateful to have the support of our friends at Tompkins Trust Company, a.k.a. Tompkins Community Bank. Thank you so much for all you do for us. Thank you for what you do for our community. Thanks for being a sponsor. And if you have any banking needs, go check out Tompkins Trust Company, Tompkins Community Bank. Tell them Running to Places sent you and thank you. And we're back. You know, Tucker, theater is an ensemble art, and it takes a lot of people coming together to make it happen. Sure Let's enough, does chat with someone who loves theater who like it, we Jerry? do. It's time to run lines with Amy Cohen. Ah! It's Amy Cohen of Circus. Welcome Culture. to the show, Amy. I'm so honored to be here. We Thank you, team. So happy to have you here. You are you are you're you're one of my favorite people in the entire oh. planet. Same. I couldn't be happier just to have an excuse to sit here with you. Isn't Ithaca so special that way? We have so many of the best people in the universe right so. in this small town. There's something so. magic. Yeah. It, yeah, it's true. Well, and speaking of magic, I think that circus culture is magic. I think that circus culture is one of my favorite organizations in this community. I think it does incredible work for people of every age. Um, and I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about what circus culture is. Like, what is the name referred to? What is the culture of circus? What is it all about? Mm, juicy. I would love to. It's my favorite subject. So while circus culture, the entity, is a circus school, it's a circus space, it's a circus community that's designed to nurture circus in a very holistic way. So I really think about circus as this kind of gathering of the others. It's a lot less about the specific discipline and it's a lot more about the kind of historical lineage of different disciplines from all over the world, all different contexts, all different kind of creative moments of of uh, testing what's humanly possible. Mm. So I know that's a very esoteric definition of circus, but when I set out to create a physical space and place for circus in Ithaca, I also knew that I didn't want it to just be called a school. And so one of the reasons that it's called circus culture is to kind of open up the possibility of what the space and place and organization can be or could serve to be for someone. And so we are absolutely a circus school and we have classes every day of the week. We also are hopefully a place just to nurture the curiosity of anyone engaged in circus, whether it's academically or recreationally or therapeutically or a parent who wants to just watch or um, an elder who wants to try for the first time. So the idea of what circus culture is, is that circus is really a community and it there really is culture to circus and it's a very international, very dynamic culture. And we kind of pull from the whole global world of circus to create our local version. And it's such an honor to do that. And it's a, a forever quest to to honor and respect like the diversity of what circus is around the world and have that live here in our small community. And how does that work out? Like is it hmm. is, is circus culture what it seemed like it was going to be 
So now that what you're an like, amazing how, question. Many, how many years down the road are you, first of all? So we're six years down the road of having oh. a physical space. The idea for Circus Culture was born in 2005 when I was a sophomore at Ithaca College. Great. And hey, Ithaca study? College. Hey, I, I studied theater arts management and I started in marketing, realized I did not want to promote dish detergent, and then realized <laughs> I would much rather spend my energy putting forth things I believed in, also known as the arts, and that I had grown up doing circus in the summers. And so I went to a circus summer camp. I, for six weeks, would be on my home planet. It was like I would wait and wait and wait, go to my home planet for six weeks, and then wait for the rest of however many years, uh, months, weeks, however many weeks are in a year, to go <laughs> back to circus camp. And I was really lucky because the people who ran my circus camp happened to come from wildly different circus worlds. There was someone from Bulgarian State Circus, the Hungarian State Circus, from the original cast of the Big Apple Circus in New York from Ringling Brothers, from community local theater. So I had this kind of wildly um, like diverse input of what circus is and could be. Like I didn't just learn from one person with their experience. I learned from a global perspective of circus. I did not realize how special that was as a child, but it absolutely informed my dedication to circus um, as an adult. And so I went to Ithaca College, when I was a sophomore, I had started a circus club. And at the same time, I really realized there was a world beyond of circus schools and circus in different communities year round. So where I grew up, there was only circus in the community for six weeks. Gotcha. And I literally had never conceptualized that it could be anything else except me literally unicycling in my driveway. Yeah. And so while that was cute, it was lonely. And so... Um, when I got to college, you know, you get to college and like you can start a club, like everyone can do everything at college. And I was the kind of person who enjoyed that. Like I may have been responsible for a badminton tournament at my high school and a <laughs> waffle day, you know, like any opportunity to make quirky things happen. I was like, let me in. And so that kind of sense of having the opportunity to be in leadership of something I cared about, like let's start a circus club. So while I was starting the circus club, it led me to seek out, like, how do I support teaching my peers something I care about? Because I had spent my teenage years teaching circus at this camp as a pretty common lineage, you know, of like you're a camper, then you're a CIT, then you're a counselor at 15, 16, teaching younger kids. But there I was at college teaching other 19, 20-year-olds, and it was a really different dynamic. And I felt like I needed some support. So I reached out and found this organization called the American Youth Circus Organization, which absolutely ended up uh, really changing my life. And I went to their conference. It turns out there was this conference of circus teachers in Chicago and they comped me to volunteer and go. I showed up and it was just like, oh my gosh, Did this world exploded that there were people, this, this kind of like generation of people who were doing circus education basically year round in communities all around the country and it was still really a small movement then but it was a very connected movement like everyone really felt like they were each other's best assets and they welcomed me in so warmly and around that time I just kept getting involved in this organization and the seed was planted that I might want to start a circus program in a community someday and I really felt like Ithaca would say yes to it. So the seed was planted, long tangent, seed for circus culture was planted my sophomore year at Ithaca College. And then fast forward 10 years, 
the first day we opened the doors in 2015. And so we've been open for six years, a little more than six years. And yeah, there's a lot in between. But is it what I imagined it would be? Every day I walk in in awe that it's real. I do not take it for granted one bit. It is like, I really think of it, I'm not a parent in the conventional sense, but I feel like I've witnessed it as like a newborn and a toddler and a kid and a teen. And it like is differentiating and finding itself and having a lot of other supporters. Um, and it's an honor to just try to keep up with it, like keep it watered and fed, you know, is kind of how I feel about it. And that's always been, I hope is that there's enough kind of shared agency that it feels like home to a lot of people, not just me. But also, ultimately, I'm aware I have the ultimate responsibility to keep it okay. And I really take that seriously. So it's kind of a combination of like how much do you give and take mm -hmm. when you're nurturing something so that it can find its own voice. I guess I think of it quite spiritually <laughs> as far Indeed. as an organization. It like you kind of have to let it have the right amount of cultivation and the right amount of space to find its magic. And every day it's trying to fine tune that so that it can feel like a a safe place for all different kinds of people. And as a someone who has had the pleasure of being a collaborator with you artistically, as someone who has occasionally dipped a toe in a class yes. and being also <laughs> a, a parent of a participant, I'm I I'm such a deep believer and so grateful for what you've brought to what circus culture is. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting because quite honestly, I think 99% of what I know about what circus really is about, I learned from you and from your organization. And I think a lot of people have misconceptions about what circus is and isn't. Mm. You know, they they think elephant parade and lions jumping through flaming hoops and stuff like that. And I wonder, hearing you talk about your early experience and learning about all of these different world cultures of circus traditions, how can you talk about you developing what your version of that is and does it feel like you've had a chance to explore all of the things about it that you've always imagined? Uh, and and can you just talk about your version of circus? Wow. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I definitely have not explored all of it. Not even close. Not even close. Um, I feel like the there's this I feel a huge responsibility especially in a small community that's very geographically isolated to make sure that my students have a sense that there's a world beyond whatever the synthesis of my experience is at circus culture I don't always succeed in that but I have witnessed from a bird's eye view because as an aside after I went and to that American Youth Circus Organization event, I ended up running that organization for 10 years. And so I had the honor of this bird's eye view of like all the different ways that circus can appear in community. And of course, many ways that it has not yet that I hope it will. But I could kind of see that it's really easy for one figure to kind of hand down their idea of what circus is mm. and not allow a lot of um, and kind of gatekeep it in a way because you love it so much and you want to keep it so sacred and special it's easy also to be so protective to the point that you don't allow for additional exposure. Mm. So it's something that I always am trying to check in with. I'm not always getting it right. But how do I allow a sense of like nurturing our unique community while also letting in as many influences as possible? It's interesting because in the United States, we have this history of the three ring circus and I'm not a circus historian, but I'm an enthusiast for sure about circus <laughs> history. Um, and 
The reality is P.T. Barnum, who most people have heard of, was a really good PR guy to the point that we're still believing his PR. You know, like he planted these seeds about like the most extravagant, most super duper, superhuman feet. Ah. And that was like I really. I can visualize that in exactly. my head. You know, the shot, you know, the colors. It's like an elephant and it has yes. like this thing on its forehead. Yes. And it's a motorcycle going like yes. this. And that's beautiful. And that's a piece of circus history, but it's not even close to the beginning. It's nowhere near the end. And it's also just one cultural imprint. But I really feel strongly that that cultural imprint of that was like called the golden age of the American circus is so like resonant still for so many of us. And it also kind of took a turn into the word circus being used to mean like frenzied or like right. not together or political in a negative way, you know, like, but we still really suffer from that as a circus community. The clowning community has this, you know, that like the words get kind of twisted and manipulated and really removed from their original context. So when you are a circus person, you spend a lot of time advocating for what circus is to you. And that's different for everyone. Um, and it's really interesting because even we meet kids, you know, nine-year-old come in, take a circus class. And they tell a friend they do circus and they get this like, oh, do you ride an elephant? Oh, do you wear a sequined unitard? And it's like really pervasive. And my take on that is always like, what a beautiful historical piece, you know, of our history. It's uh -huh. also plenty part of parts of it that are not beautiful. There's a lot of exoticism and racism and xenophobia within circus history. Famous theater. Yes. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And so we can't neglect that. And there's also a big part of the history within circus that like, circus was making visible a lot that wasn't visible during certain times in history and so it's really mixed of course like the highs and lows of that golden age but the reality is circus has been happening since they were humans in many iterations all over the world and the traditions for wire walking for example are different on every continent you know like the position of your foot you can watch someone do hand balancing and understand from which direction their elbow is facing, what tradition they learned from. It's oh, wow. really interesting. And wow. you really can't get it wrong in a way because there are so many diverse perspectives to how to train. Like, it's such a gift. It's so interesting. Like, you'll never, ever learn about it all. And mm. yet it's so connected. Right. It so. seems like the more you define it, if you were trying to define it, then the less in inclusionary it actually becomes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the same time, someone's definition of it might make them feel connected to it. And it's like the entry point. You know, like we, right. we get this a lot. Like people will, they will have seen, say, like Pink perform at the Grammys. Right. And they saw Pink do this aerial act and they want to be like Pink. You know, don't we all? And I so, <laughs> right, like, like totally get it. So you show up to aerial class and you want to be like Pink and you learn aerial. And then out of the corner of your eye, you see someone juggling and doing a handstand. And then it's like this gateway and you're like, maybe I kind of want to try that. And then you notice that when you juggle, like you build executive function in your brain. It's been proven. And like then when you go do handstands, you realize that pushing is really complementary to all the pulling that you do in aerial. And it's like starts uh. to be like this multidisciplinary magic. And that is really important to me. And it's always been important, like fundamental to circus culture that there is the presence of multiple circus disciplines. And it's one of the things to me that makes it this like beautiful thing that both celebrates and humbles you every moment. That world seems so big hearing you explain like this. It seems like like endless. Like yeah. if you find your way into circus, it seems like you're going to find a type of circus or a part of circus that really suits you physically, your personality, your ability, your 
Hopefully, yes. Yeah. Yes, I love hearing that reflected back. Yes. Everybody. Yes. I know that that's that's one of the things that I loved learning about circus culture was that I think I had always had the idea that it was you learn these things and here's how you learn them so that everyone can do those things. And there's instead so much room for individual expression and creativity and collaboration. And I mean, that's how you and I really got connected yeah was let's give a shout out to our friend holly adams holly adams, Yay, holly holly adams. adams. one of another one of my favorite people in oh, this entire world a being. brilliant artist teacher collaborator clown. such a yeah. brilliant clown and holly said oh you two haven't met yet oh you two need to meet you'll have plenty <laughs> to talk about and then immediately we were upon meeting talking about what could we do together and so we that's where pippin came into our season in 2018 was because the Broadway production, the revival from a few years back, had introduced circus as being an integral part of the aesthetic and the interpretation of it and having a circus school that we collaborate with. And then every second that we were talking, discovering what we had in common as far as our so philosophies. Much in common. And yes. and specifically with what you set out to have the the participants, your students, your your kids, and as well as your adults learn that goes beyond what it is directly that they're that they're doing um that it's it's not just about the immediate discipline in order to perform it but then the the holistic education that they're getting and and sense of collaboration and i'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about some of the programs that you have and how that sense of collaboration and ensemble building and creativity uh come into play at, at so many different levels yeah of course i will say like getting to know you and R2P was like this beautiful, expansive, like there are more people out there <laughs> thinking about like arts education in a big picture way. And it was so like life affirming, career affirming, community affirming, like without collaborating with R2P, I feel like it. Well, one way to put it is that within circus, you're often kind of othering yourself or othered by the outside world. It's like you're not an art. You're not a sport. You're not a this. You're not a that. You're not in the arts curriculum in schools. Mm. You're not given the grants for the arts because you're not on the list. And like there's a lot of this. And we kind of perpetuated a lot also. There's like some pride in being on the fringes. And I think that in the circus community, sometimes we get caught by like othering ourselves because we've been othered. And it's like there's a weird pride in that. You know, it feels good. Yeah. And it also sucks. <laughs> yeah. And having the affirmation that like, yes, we can work together. Like a youth theater company and a circus company belong together, like is affirming in a way that's hard to describe. That it's like we are a part of the arts and we are recognized as part of the arts. And that has felt so good. And I think that even within the Ithaca community, that kind of stamp of approval from R2P was huge for kind of reminding people that circus is an art form. Like seeing it on stage is strangely radical. You know, like mm. many people in the arts kind of understand it to be true, but it takes a wild amount of advocacy to put circus in the same sentence as the arts in a lot of realms. So I'm tangent forever grateful for that. Yes. And 100 percent. The so, pleasure was ours. <laughs> oh, can't wait for more. Yeah. Who knows what we'll do next? We can save that. I but, know. We should do something <laughs> again. Oh, we will. We, yeah. will. we will. That's what's so cool about this this dynamic and being in this community is like, you know, there'll be more. You don't know when, but you don't need to know when because it's like always brewing and the relationships are always developing. Conversations well, so wait, it's been two two collaborations, correct? Mm-hmm. Is that right? It was uh, yeah. Pippin and then yeah. The Wiz. Right. And even three because we did a show 
circus folk that was Broadway related, and we had a bunch of R2P singers in it. Oh, cool. So, and we have, a, three. we have a, we have a, a fair have a amount of overlap. overlap. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We do. I always, I always, whenever a student is like, oh, I go to circus culture, I'm always like, I see you. <laughs> I know a little bit more about you now. <laughs> and, uh, and it, they, it does theater, like theater draw. Like we, it, Joey likes to call us like the, what do you say? The Island of Misfit Toys. Mm-hmm. And it does, but it, it has the ability to give a home to, uh, to young people who might be needing to identify. Absolutely. So yeah. I want to hear about the classes, the troops, oh, yeah, the all the program. stuff you've got going okay. on. So right now we have classes for people ages three and up every day of the week. Um, we have a combination of classes. We call them all things circus classes where you try all the different disciplines. We also have some separate classes that are just the aerial disciplines because there are a lot of people who like know that's what they want to start with. And then we have hand saying classes, tumbling classes, and these things called our troops. And the troops are really ensembles that form and stick together and grow together and go through lots of growing pains together, to be honest, to make work as an ensemble. And they're really making devised work. And we never really know where it's going to come from, which can be challenging and also very rewarding. So right now there are four different groups. There's like a younger teenage group, a middle teenage group, an older teenage group, and an adult group. And they're each currently figuring out making a devised show of their own creation. And we're going to perform them in May. And they will be in residence at the Ithaca Children's Garden, Mm. which is really exciting. Outdoor performances. Outdoor performances. Yes. Have have you done anything to like, because I know last year with outdoor performances, a big part was the weather. Yes. How are we addressing that? You ask, well, (laughs) we have gotten a small tent i'm Yay. calling it our circusy tent because a circus tent just for those of you who've never tried to buy one is a quarter of a million dollars oh love a good circus tent they're only made by like two or three companies in the world most of them are made in italy custom of course they're gorgeous but a tent needs a tent boss which is the person who keeps it together and a huge crew and we're a tiny little circus and so we don't really need that huge of endeavor so i started to think creatively about how could we have a little bit more of a predictable venue that could be open at sides, you know, for ventilation because we love ventilation these days, don't we? Sure do. And always, I'll love you ventilation forever. Mm. And um, yeah, so we're going to put it up in residence at the Children's Garden and we're going to do shows underneath the tent with our aerial rig and... There'll be all different. Some One of the shows is a half hour long. One of them is going to be a full length show. One of them will be at night. One be, so there'll be a lot of different access points for people to hopefully come see come see some circus in our community that's that is, really like from the perspective of the young artists who are making it and the adults who are making it. That's too. Super, super, super exciting. One thing, Amy, that I've always been so impressed with you about is that you are the most entrepreneurial brilliant person that I know, you know, not only coming up with basically inventing the idea of circus in Ithaca. <laughs> I, I know that I did not know what I know about it before you came along, but that, that this is not your only gig. This is not your only brilliant business idea. Uh, I know that I'm personally grateful for having access to really fantastic donuts right there at Pressed by Alley by Circus Culture. But is that you too? It's me too. I just really like circular things. So like <laughs> the circus ring and then naturally the donut. Yeah, I have a business partner who I started One Ring Donuts with. Um, 
really in an exercise to see like well one to fill a need because there were no specialty donuts in Ithaca which is very strange it was um, tragic and those dark days <laughs> may they never return well, we've, so we've hopefully really filled that gap and it's right next to circus culture and it's just been really interesting to have a different kind of relationship to the community one that's it's just as important to be authentic about but that's a little bit shorter term you know someone comes up and gets a donut and we hope that their experience in that moment is just as beautiful and as you know whatever experience we might create at circus culture but then it's gone in a flash and at circus culture we're developing relationships over years hopefully decades and it's been really fascinating to experience that and like what can be kind of derived from each experience to grow them both to be as kind of authentic and successful as possible you know defining success in the way that in a community way and it's also been really interesting because I've spent my whole career advocating for circus and I still every day am advocating for like what it is, what it could be, um, what I might not know about it yet, trying to learn more. And then you open a donut shop and everyone knows what a donut is. <laughs> and honestly, I was like, are you kidding me? They're like around the block for this thing I didn't even tell them about. And years and years and years of hustling and communicating and advocating for how circus can change the world. And it really kind of reminded me like what a humbling pursuit it is to advocate for circus, especially in the United States. And I love a challenge and I love that challenge. So It's so United funny States, though. <laughs> we know what a donut is, but we're not so sure about circus. <laughs> it's true. They, it, I really have this direct comparison (laughs) and but I think and it can it like is representative of the arts of any like creative approach to the arts or arts education or community building or ensemble building that there's really just like we really just fight for it every day don't we so if someone were listening to this and they were thinking this sounds interesting this sounds (laughs) intriguing and I'm I'm curious but I'm a little bit frightened and I've never tried it before Mm -hmm. but I'm curious and this sounds what what could they do if they want to learn more? You can find us at circusculture.org. Also, social media slash circusculture. And you can email us. You can DM us. You can just show up at our door. and Which is where? You can find Circus Culture at 116 West Green Street, which is in Press Bay Alley in downtown Ithaca, New York. And we love being downtown and being accessible. We love that kids can walk from school or take the bus or hang out at the library before class. It's like we really benefit from having this kind of nexus of a gathering place and public space. And that's a rarer and rarer thing in the world to have just like a place to be. Amy Cohen, creator, founder, director of Circus Culture, as well as... Lover of RTP. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then owner of One Ring Donuts. Owner, how many people uh, are today years old when they put the connection no. of One Ring, yes. like a circus with the donuts? Mm. Uh, Amy, thank you so much. Yeah. It is such a pleasure to see thank you. Any chance we get? Thanks yeah. for coming this was in. This is the best. Well, that's it for this edition of the R2P Podcast. Drop us a line at podcast at runningtoplaces.org. That's spelled out, runningtoplaces.org. On behalf of Tucker and me and the rest of the R2P family, thanks for joining us. Thank you to Tompkins Trust Company and our R2 patrons who support us and make all things R2P totally free for everybody. I'm Joey Steenhagen, and scene. <laughs>